The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and we're going to be talking about gardening for the next little while. Anything that's garden-related. If you want to talk about it, I will. And I got a lot of real interesting emails this past week. People are starting to see weird bugs and weird fungi and, you know, things like that. But also people are starting to get things that are happening. They're getting butterflies and flowers and vegetables and things like that. I actually, Java, last week, you remember I brought my one squash in? One squash and one pepper. <laughs> one squash and one pepper. I turned the pepper into some jalapeno. Uh, Mexican cornbread, but I took that one squash, chopped it up, sautéed it a little bit with some uh, in some butter, with some chopped up onions, sprinkled a little pepper and, and uh, salt, Parmesan cheese, and I ate just like I was out in the country. I believe it too. It yeah. looked good. Now uh, that one between the squash and the uh, and the onion and the butter, I mean, <laughs> I got real southern real fast. Well, I do want to say before we get too far in the show, um, you get plenty of emails, but one that came to your email address was had something in there for me. I believe it was Roy. Um, he sent something in talking about my little circle and something my kids can grow. Yeah. So I wanted to thank him uh, for sending that in, and I really appreciate that he was thinking about us. <laughs> you bet. You bet. I mean, everywhere I go, is you, and me and Java, me and Java. And don't forget Kevin Farrell. You know, he's a producer here, but he's he's the uh, what I call the phone greeter, sort of you know, our version of the Walmart greeter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you've got some things you'd like to talk about, this is a good chance. Cause I'm not going to try to sell you anything. I'm not going to try to push any agenda or anything like that. Just uh, give you 40 years of experience and in, in, uh, training at the university and being uh, taken down a notch or two by, by my mother and people like that who know more than I do because they've done it. Um, this past week, uh, two weeks ago, I planted, maybe it's three weeks ago now. Anyway, I planted a little summer garden. Usually I'm, I'm over in England this time of year. I head over there for the Chelsea Flower Show, uh, which is normally would be going on right now. But, uh, of course, the Chelsea Show and so many others have been canceled. Now, they do have a, 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 a feed. You can go online and see uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff and a lot of fun. The Royal Horticulture Society, which puts on Chelsea and and the Royal Hampton Court and all those kind of flower shows, they put together a really, really nice thing, and it's free even for non-members. So if you want to check it out, go to Royal Horticulture Society, I think, .org, or just Google RHS Chelsea, and it'll take you to this site where you can watch little things, uh, podcasts, they've got them on TV, they got it on Internet. I think you'd really enjoy that and sort of get us out of the humidity for a little bit. Um, but anyway, when I was walking in this morning, I picked a few flowers, and I mean, it's about a two-mile walk, I guess, but these flowers have wilted something terrible. Can't even take a picture that's so wilted. Uh, but I grabbed a, a couple of flowers out of my garden, a bulb, uh, some annuals that bloom and bloom and bloom, covered with butterflies, and I found some of our, our Coreopsis, our state Mississippi's official state wildflower, Coreopsis, growing along the roadside. But I also snagged some of my Spanish moss. I've got a little area in my backyard with a water feature. Uh, so it's an iron kettle with filled with water with a little uh, splashy, pumpy fountain type thing in the middle. And I've got it surrounded by stumps, all sorts of stumps, cedar stumps, uh, cypress knees, all sorts of branches and stumps and stuff. Uh, it's called my stumpery. You know, some people have a, a rock garden or some people have a you know collection of daylilies. I've got a stumpery in my back garden, and I, it's kind of quirk, quirky looking, but it's fun and interesting. But I've got Spanish moss hanging all over it, which is one of our native plants. It's a really, you know, if you look at it up close, it's really kind of interesting. Uh, I'm thinking about tucking some up under my hat because it's the same color as my hair, and uh, it might, might actually make my hair look a, bit, a little bit fuller. But anyway, if you want to give us a call and talk about uh, gardening, uh, whatever's on your mind, I can't tell if we got somebody is uh, not. 
Get them queued up. All righty. Well, um, you can give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring um, One of the diseases I'm getting a lot of emails about, I say a lot, seven or eight, which is a, a pretty good number, it's on azaleas and camellias, and it really looks creepy. It's called azalea camellia leaf gall, G-A-L-L. And it makes the leaves all puffy and gray and white and just really, really weird, nasty looking. And uh, it's on just the leaves that came out last month, the first flush of, of leaves in the spring. If we had the right amount of humidity and rain and the, and the fungus is present, it causes these thickened, distorted, bizarre-looking leaves. Not a problem. It's just on the new leaves, not going to keep going. So if you don't like it, pluck them off, throw them away. If you drop them on the ground, it'll be back next year, splashing back up. But it's not that big a deal. It doesn't hurt the plant. You don't need to worry about it. You, matter of fact, you can just ignore it if you want to. But anyway, I'm also seeing knots, uh, little hollow galls on pecan leaves uh, and new twigs. This is an insect. It's got a weird name. It's called phylloxera, P-H-Y-loxera. Um, it's an insect that attacks the new growth on, on pecans. Uh, the pecans, they lay these eggs, the pecans grow this hollow ball, and the little larvae uh, are inside. You can crack one of those open, and it's just full of tiny little aphid-looking things. Um, it's a big problem, but there's no control for it. You have to spray just as the trees are leafing out around the 1st of April, and uh, you have to spray uh, at least a couple of times. And who could, I mean, who could spray a pecan tree, right? So anyway, it's a serious problem, worse some years than others, but pecan phylloxera, those knots on your pecan leaves, and azalea leaf gall, they're... Not much we can do about them, and you can. I would choose to look at them as just interesting things <laughs> because that works. Anyway, we're going to start out. Um, I think right off the bat, and with John in Tupelo. Hey, John. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Felder. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. What's going on? Uh, well, I've got a problem with roses. I was going to ask you about. Um, I have a, a patio rose that's in a big ceramic container that did really well last year. And this year, it started off and bloomed beautifully. But about six weeks ago, all of a sudden, I got a lot of yellow leaves and a lot of black spots yeah. on the leaves. Yeah. I, I've been using a fungicide, which hasn't cleared it up. And I've heard that what you need to do is to take off all the leaves that are involved, which would be about every leaf on yeah. the plant. And I was afraid that might kill the plant. Well, let, let's just cut the chase here. That's probably the single most common disease on roses. And there are some that are resistant to it. Some don't get it at all, but a lot of them in our hot, humid, wet, rainy climate are going to get the disease. And it's called black spot. And it makes the leaves turn yellow. A lot of most of the time it's got little spots, but there's not any cure for it. You have to spray fungicides on the new leaves to keep them from getting disease. In other words, it's sort of like a putting a raincoat on. You know, once once they get disease, you can't cure that. So you have to spray every week or two in rainy weather because the sprays only last for a, a couple of weeks or a couple of rains. And when new growth comes out, it's not protected. So if you want to spray for it, you have to spray ahead of time to keep the plant, the fungus from getting started, which is a real chore. Now, here's something you can't. You can prune roses right now. You know, you put prune them hard in the wintertime, put on a flush grow. You can prune whatever grew this year back halfway, and it'll, first of all, get rid of a lot of the disease, but it'll stimulate real fast, strong, new flowering growth. So sometimes the best thing to do is just every now and then prune the rose back a little bit, get you some new leaves on it, and um, and some, sometimes they'll outrun the disease. But rather than to spray all the time uh, as a preventative, I would just think about a little fertilizer and occasional pruning to keep new new leaves coming up. It won't hurt the plant to prune it. Yeah, I'll prune it way back. I was thinking of doing that, but I was afraid... This time of year, it might might kill the plant. Not not rosy. You don't have to prune it way back. You know, whatever grew this year, you can cut it back half or two thirds even. But leave some of this year's growth, you know, and where the leaves are, the old leaves are. That's where the new growth will come out, it, and it doesn't hurt the rose at all. all right. Okay. Well, thanks, Felder. Appreciate all right. It. Appreciate your call. Oh, in a few minutes, we've got a call, uh, call with a couple of guys that I, I ran into last week, and um, uh, they're on their way someplace. I forget where. We're going to talk to them in a few minutes. But uh, meanwhile, uh, let's go. Let's talk to, uh, is it Melanie down in Alabama? Hey, Melanie. Hey, good morning. Howdy. What's up? Well, I bought a power camp bush a couple of years ago, now a year and a half, something. Anyway, it was kind of tall and skinny. 
Yeah. And I thought maybe, it, I mean, I think it was really should have been transplanted before I bought it. But anyway, it was the only ones I could find. And so it's got, it's probably two and a half, maybe three feet tall. And it's got little limbs on the sides, maybe six, eight inches long, but they don't grow. So last year it had a total of, I counted them, two berries on the yeah. whole bush. <laughs> yeah. That's still really small, man. The pyracantha gets big. It's, it's considered, it's almost, it, it's more, it's more like a vine, believe it or not, than a shrub. It gets really big. And, right. uh, and in their native That's habitat, up. they climb all up in trees and stuff. So two and a half, three feet tall, it ain't, ain't squat. Give it a little fertilizer. And uh, did it bloom okay this spring? No, it did not. Well, but that, I did that, cut it back last fall. So well, see I'll, here. I'll, I'll sometime he, in the winter. Here's the deal, though. They're spring bloomers, and uh-huh. the spring flowers turn into berries. See, so if right. you prune it in the fall or the winter, there go your flower. There go your berries. So if yeah. you, so if, that's that's what I was asking. Yeah. When is the so is now the time? Or should I just leave you, it? Yours, yours, yours is big enough to prune. What you can do, and think about it. Think, imagine the plant being a lot bigger, and you don't want to have 15 thick trunks. You just want a few. So you can actually thin out some of those little side branches and just leave a few and imagine those three years from now as being trunks. In other words, thin them out, and the yeah. energy will go into them, and they'll grow a lot this year. And if you want to prune it to thicken it up, uh, let's don't do any pruning past, I'm going to say, about the middle of July or so, so the new okay. growth has time to come out and set flower buds. Okay, well, that's what I was. I knew I did something wrong when it did not bloom this, uh, this uh, spring. I was like, okay, well, I guess I cut off your pruning. I, yeah. You know, I know it's, something. It's, spring, it's a sp- spring bloomer, so, you know, I would thin out some of those side branches and, and let the, the ones that are left become this year's growth. And then if you want to prune it next spring after it gets through blooming, you can see where the bear is going to be. That'd be fine. Okay, great. Thank you. All right. Appreciate you coming. Have call. a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, let's go to uh, Robert in Tupelo. Hey, Robert. Hey, Felder. Good morning. Howdy. What's up? Hey, so my wife plucked a couple of small pine trees, some pine saplings, from a neighbor's yard. Mm-hmm. She did it legally. My neighbor knew about it, so it's okay there. Yeah. But she didn't get any dirt. Uh, basically, it was uh, what looked like I call the taproot was all that was left of these two pine trees. Yeah, how, one, one how, how tall were they? How, how tall were they? One was about two foot, and one was about three foot. Okay. That's kind of pushing it, but keep going. Yeah, so I planted them and uh, watered them what I thought was fairly well. But uh, in about two weeks, the small one turned brown. In about four weeks, the large one turned brown. No new growth yet? No. So my optimist is saying, gosh, maybe it's just going dormant and the the roots are just doing their thing, mm-hmm. or the pessimist in me is saying these things are dead in a doornail, and I gotta get <laughs> something new. Well, it could be somewhere in between. Uh, you know, they do go dormant, but their leaves don't fall off; they're evergreen. Uh, the only thing you can, I would keep an eye on, and if they put some new growth on at the tips, you know, the tips of the branches at the top, then it's alive okay. because the leaves that were on it, those needles, you know, they're gone. So if the yeah. tree has a chance at all, it'll be this year's new growth. You know, you you can move pines, but if you're going to bare root it like that, chances are it was a two-year-old seedling. I would get one, those that are about a foot, a foot and a half tall, the brand new ones, and move them oh, okay. in the wintertime, the fall or the winter when they're completely dormant. But uh, that's how they, they plant seedlings that are about, oh, they're only, you know, maybe a foot tall. Okay, and okay. The, so I, I think yours might have been a year old, and it was uh, kind of too late to move it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. It was a pleasure talking to you. Okay. Uh, you know, was she listening, by the way? Pardon? Was she listening? No, she was not. Okay. So it's going to be up to you to con- to, to convince her of all this. Yeah. She's um, she's good with anything, whether I pull them out and try something new or <laughs> try and hang out. So. Okay. Well, good luck on it, Robert. Thank you very much. Take you, care. You bet. Okay, we're going to talk to Nick in Columbus and take a break and come back and talk with a couple of real fun guys. Hey, Nick, good morning. Good morning, Felder. How are you doing? Fine. What's up? All right, I've got a fig tree problem. I've got two fig trees, about 30 years old, that's doing great. Then five years ago, maybe four years ago, I planted five uh, fig trees, uh, and uh, they did well, did well last year. They really fruited good last year. Uh, I noticed this uh, the spring 
uh, that it put a leaf on here and a leaf on there and a leaf on over yonder. Yeah. The 30-year-old tree uh, is doing great, no problem. Then I got to looking at these young ones, and I find that I have some sort of a stem borer. Yeah, I don't know what that's. It's got that little sawdust stuff coming out in a tube. Yes. Yeah. Not much we can do about that. This is a tough one. I, I got a, a – uh, they'll, they'll get on maples, uh, Japanese maples. They'll get on on uh, fig trees. And uh, when they go in, they're about the size of a pencil lead, and, and the, the sawdust right. comes out. It's just little little – looks like a little stick of sawdust sticking stem. out. Like a stem, yeah. Yeah. Once they get in, there's nothing we can do about it. We don't have any kind of uh, sprays that will go inside because they go – you know, when you scratch the bark of a fig tree, that that's milky sap – or on another plant, that green stuff is right beneath the the bark. Well, they go through that into the interior wood, and uh, there's correct. there's nothing we can do that'll get in there. So, uh, other than and this is this is, sounds like a stretch, but if you can, if it's not all the way to the ground, if you can cut them off close to the ground, you know this will save the tree. It'll get rid of the stuff that's got the borers in it, but. You can't kill a fig by cutting it back. It'll sprout back out with real strong new growth that'll outrun. That I don't think the borers are going to keep attacking the rest of the summer. I don't know, but uh, if you don't cut them back, that part's going to die. Okay. Well, I cut them back within three or four inches of the ground. Yeah, below the borer stuff, they'll put out new growth yeah, real fast. Boy, you tell me coming on, they are coming on. Yeah. But my question is, is there anything, any kind of spray I can be doing now because it's got to be some sort of a candle fly or something like that slinging those eggs. You know, I don't remember the, the, the life cycle of these things. I think that they just are in the spring. I'm, I'm not sure about that, but the sprays that have to be timed uh, see the sprays we have; they don't last any time at all. So you'd have to spray when the when the adults are present when they're laying eggs, and I don't know when that is. I, I don't. I might be able to find out if you can shoot me an email, but um, I, I don't know of any kind of sprays because you you have to target the 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 insect when it's present. The insecticides don't last any time at all. Right. Right, right. Okay. Well, you told me that I better enjoy the figs that I'm going to get this year. Hey, let me, I did last yeah, year. and let, let me suggest this also. Uh, when the when the new growth gets about knee high or so, snip the tips off of it so it bushes out instead of shooting up too tall to pick the figs next year. I did. I, I did do that. <laughs> you already know this stuff. Yeah. I'm pretty good. But this is the first year that I've, and I've had fig trees all my life. And I'm 80 years old, and these tree, the two trees I got just 30 years old hadn't been attacked. But yeah. these have, and uh, and I've never seen this happen before. And I just want I had a neighbor that had yeah. the same thing happen to him. Uh, I got and, uh, I, I hear it all the, not all the time. Every year here, and I, I ran into some in Clinton uh, on some maple trees doing the same thing. But so yeah. anyway, yeah. good luck on it, man. Appreciate it, man. Hey, when you get ready to make some figs, I got a fig preserve that will not stop. I'll get you some. All righty. No, no, no. I'll share the, well, I tell you what, I'll share the recipe, and you can share some of your figs. That's the way to do it. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. we got some callers on the line, but I want to chat with a couple of guys who are who are on the road this morning for just a few minutes. Um, we try to spread things out here on the Gestalt Garden, so if you've got some concerns about your lawn or vegetables or, or trees or anything like that, if I don't know it, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. I'm not an expert who will make stuff up to be smart. And uh, if there's something you can do, I'll recommend it. If there's something that really won't work, I'll tell you that, too, because that's what I sort of the agreement I have with my late mother. You know, she's standing behind me. She's going to smack me on the back of the head if I don't straighten up. Java, you know, you know. So we're going to take a real quick break and come back with an interview with uh, uh, Jeff and Don from uh, J.D. Farms, the tea growers, right after this. Hey, this is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. All righty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing. We've got a nice tune coming up in a few minutes, but I wanted to chat with a couple of guys I ran into last week, Jeff and Don. Are y'all with me? 
Hey, Elder, good morning. Good morning. Sounds sound like y'all aren't, when I talked to you a little while ago, you were driving somewhere. We're sitting out in our courtyard out, out in the by, a, by our tea garden right now, even as we speak. Okay. So. Well, uh, just to introduce you, y'all have J.D. Farms, which is Mississippi's tea farm. You have Pearl River Tea Company. Grow your own plants and make your own tea. Right? That's correct. We also grow blueberries, too. I, well, that's what I was going to get to that because I stopped by. Uh, I had Jesse Yancey with me. He's a, a, a close gardening friend. We were going down to Crosby Arboretum to their plant sale. Had a great time there, but... He'd never, he wasn't quite sure we'd have, we'd grow tea in Mississippi. And I stopped by and he was blown away. But y'all couldn't take time to show the tea because you were picking the biggest blueberries I've ever put in my mouth. Looks like yeah, you got Yeah, well, I'm glad you enjoyed them. Well, a matter of fact, I made my first ever, I got some of your blueberries. I made some of my first ever blueberry cobbler. And it was like a big, fat blueberry pancake. It was fantastic. And I ate the whole thing. So anyway, you got blueberries coming in, and it looks like it's a good year for them. Uh, it's an average crop. Um, the um, you know uh, last year was pretty bad, and then this year is an average. And um, we had uh, we had some rain that, that came in at probably the wrong time, but it's sort uh, of bust them open you know, like a south, tomato. Yeah, South Mississippi, you're gonna have to you have to deal with it, but. Uh, all in all, it's it's pretty good. Everybody's well, telling us something that's very sweet this year, so that's oh, a good thing. Oh, they they were they were really really sweet, and I'm just wondering because a, Mississippi uh, used to, I think they still have a lot of blueberry growers, but uh, has has all this weirdness, the virus and stuff, is that really affected? Do y'all sell to farmers markets, and uh, is there still a good, is there a good market for these things right now? Because some farm crops are suffering for lack of distribution. Uh, well, I'm, I know that uh, the commissioner has set up a, uh, an online um, system to kind of connect consumers, and which we're part of. But for us, what's been a, a godsend has been uh, what the, what they did down in New Orleans with the uh, Crescent City Farmers Market, uh-huh. and they and they worked with a group called What's Good. It's an app, uh, and you can find it. And every city has it. What's what's it's called? What's good? Yeah, what's good, and it allows consumers to buy our products and other farmers' products online, and then it's like a drive-through market, just like you're going to a drive-through at one of the fast food places. And so you, you're not last gonna... year we last this last Sunday we had 150 orders, and this Sunday we're probably going to break it and have over 200 orders. Now, is that for just for those kind of things, or can FedEx drop some off at my door? <laughs> uh no okay well it worked very smoothly today i think people really uh appreciative that they were able to get out a little bit you know with their protective masks etc yeah, and yeah. they picked up their products and they moved on so yeah well they're 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 big they're 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 luscious they're sweet and all like that jeff uh you know you were you were in the the packing shed with with the ladies and i mean y'all were just filling boxes and filling boxes and listening to weird music at the same time while while Don was on top of that big god awful machine knocking berries <laughs> off uh into into to to hoppers and uh it looked like that it was humming along pretty good yep it's yeah, it's uh, uh it's uh, you know for the next couple of weeks it's a uh, it's a pretty uh intense uh six or about a four to five maybe six week period no different than any other farm when you're trying to get a crop out. Yeah, I I wish you could see the look on your face now when I when I said you started talking about your neighbors I said get get back to work. Shut up, get back to work. You're busy. <laughs> Have you got lights on? <laughs> Have you got lights on the machine so you can work in the dark like cotton farmers do? Uh, we do. We do have lights on, but, uh, but normally we normally uh, since we use a lot of. You know, the good thing is, is because of all the high schools and colleges are out where we have ample uh, high school and college kids, and they always come out to help because they enjoy uh, being out here, learning and uh, appreciating everything. So we've got a lot of uh, young young adults out here helping. Yeah, well, uh, I noticed that, uh, and, and the blue, the blueberries, they were sweet. As a matter of fact, uh, I couldn't get, because my, my friend Jesse, he's got, got what the old folks call sugar, he couldn't eat one, but I got one of your blueberry popsicles and, and with yogurt, and man, it was fantastic. So anyway, main thing I want to do is let folks know that, 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 that farmers, 
fruit growers are out there. They're working. They're packing stuff up. They're getting it out there as, as, as best y'all can, and uh, and n- not always the best weather. And uh, and you're you're rolling along with your blueberries. Yes. Sir. Yep. And uh, I want to say there's a lot of you picks around. Uh, there's several in the area: Hattiesburg, Richmond, and uh, um, and uh, down at Picayune. And uh, please go online and. Uh, Come out, and it's a great thing for the families to get out to UPIX and uh, and experience social distancing. And uh, and I just wanted to point that out. Uh, yeah. That uh, and we yeah. appreciate everything you do helping us out there. Well, it's great. And, and by the way, going online, you can go to the Department Mississippi Department of Agriculture website. And it probably has a, a a list right there. Oh yes, sir, absolutely. Yeah. All righty. And I also noticed you got a lot of new growth on your tea. Is it going to be a good year for Mississippi homegrown tea this year? I think so, Felder. I, the uh, the plant greened up a lot with all that rain. We had a little bit of yellowing on the leaves, and as soon as that, those rains came, I think the leaves looked much more healthy. Uh, I think there has been substantial growth. We had about how many cuttings have we had? This is our second cutting. Second cutting. Okay. But the leaves look very healthy. They look very good this year. Well, guys, y'all are doing you're doing an amazing job. Y'all, and, and today you're representing all the other folks except for the tea because y'all got the main tea thing. But you're representing the UPIC and the, the fruit growers of the state. And I th- you're doing a fine job. I just want to celebrate it. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Appreciate, appreciate everything you do. You know, All right. if, if people want more information about y'all, go to JD Farms just for Jeff Don. Jeff Don Farms. Yep, jdfarms.us, and please check out uh, Genuine Mississippi because all the lists of farmers markets and farmers, we need everyone's help to get the crop out. All righty, man. Hey, good for you, too. Good good for you to get out and do that, but also good for your health. And uh, that, Except unless you eat a whole blueberry cobbler by yourself. Felder, <laughs> <laughs> do, do something very good for your health. There you go. There you go. Very good. Okay, boys, back to work. Thank yep, you so thank much, Felder. Have a good okay. day. Okay, folks, I thought that'd be kind of fun. Anyway, do we take phone calls or go to the... Okay. Cheryl and Paul have been hanging on so patiently, so let's talk to them. Okay, let's go to... uh, Which one first? Paul. Hey, Paul in Brookhaven. What's up, man? Hey, man. First time time caller, long time listener. Yeah, the long time hanger owner today, too. I appreciate that. (laughs) What's going on? You bet. Man, I bought some creeper vine seeds online. What, what, What kind of vine? Cantus radicans. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Creeper. Yeah, I grow it myself. It's a terrific plant, native. Okay, well, look, I, I had a question for you about, you know, I'm reading the instructions, and it's telling me about 60 days before I want to grow it to mix it with soil and place it in the refrigerator for two months at 40 degrees and 30% humidity. Yeah, Here, here's here's the deal on that. First of all, you have you seen this plant before? Oh yes, yes. Okay, so you, you you know you could have just gone and dug some up. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, here's the deal. A lot of native plants, when they make their seeds, uh, they, they mature in the fall, and they fall on the ground, and they've got to go through certain, they got to jump through some hoops so they don't sprout in the middle of the winter. And uh, one is called cold stratification. They're exposed to cool temperatures, above freezing, below 45. Uh, you know, so in other words, refrigerator temperatures. And it takes a couple of months or so uh, for for that need to be satisfied. But they also need uh, humidity, uh, which is what happens if they lay out in the woods all, all all winter. So if you'll put them in a plastic bag with just a little barely damp, not moist, but damp potting soil, it's humidity in that plastic bag rather than moisture that they need. Put them in the refrigerator. After a couple of months, you pull them out. They think they've laid out in a cold, wet, humid winter, and they just jump. And, and that's the same thing with dogwoods and magnolias and oak trees. You know, a lot, a lot of the native trees, they have to go through that cold, humid spell. And you can fake that up. Plastic bag, damp potting soil in the refrigerator. Okay. Are these special ones you, you got or just generic ones? They're not. I have a big archway over my driveway uh-huh. that I do not like. So it's, it's made out of pipe and steel. It's welded. So instead of trying to disassemble it and take it down, I'm going to try to hide it with some creeper vine. Well, the, the, that's, that's a good summer bloomer. It's a great hummingbird and bumblebee plant. But also we have another. I've got a vine arbor to get in my yard. It's a huge thing. I mean, it's just the vines just hang off of it. I have the trumpet creeper like you've got, but I also have a spring bloomer called cross vine. 
and it blooms okay. in the sp- late winter, spring. It is just stunning. Then the, the trumpet creeper comes over for summertime. See, so you can wow. plant more than one vine on that thing. Then it was called crust vine? No, uh, like no, 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 uh, cross vine. If you, cut a, if you cut the stem and look straight down at like a like you're looking through a straw, it's got an X or a cross in it. When I was a Boy Scout, we used to smoke them. <laughs> and a cross vine, great native plant. Okay. Anyway, good luck with those seeds. Let let me know if it works. Okay, will do. Thank you. Hey, appreciate your call. Whole bunch. All right. Okay, now we're gonna slide up to uh down to over to Water Valley. Hey Cheryl, thank you for holding. What's going on? Um, good morning, Felder. Um well I'm a first time caller too. Howdy, welcome. Um, Yes, thank you. Um what I was calling about is I my tomato plants have aphids on them Mm -hmm. and um and I don't know how to get rid of them. Well, can you help me? yeah, one is sort of get used to them because you can get rid of most of them most of the time, but there will always be a few out there and white flies. And, you know, so in other words, don't expect total control. Um, okay. Aphids and other small soft-bodied insects are very easy to control by spraying your, your, your plants with what's called insecticidal soap. It's not really a soap. It's not dishwater, dishwashing. It's a, it's just called soap. But it's a special product that spray. It doesn't hurt your plants. It's totally organic. But it covers the creatures up, and basically they, 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 smother, they it smothers them. It's the safest thing you can use, and it's really effective on small, soft-bodied insects like aphids. Uh, okay. There are some other sprays you can use that, you know, if you need to, if you got other insects like stink bugs and things like that, um, that will, uh, you know, what will kill those things will also control the aphids. But let's start with just the aphids and see if the little insecticidal soap doesn't, and you can get it at any garden center. Okay, okay. Uh, and then how, how often should I apply that? Just, when, I, just whenever they, they build up. And uh, by the way, spray late in the afternoon and it'll take care of them over the, if you spray in the middle of the day, this stuff might cause your plants to get a little burn on them because it's, you know you don't want to water your plants in the middle of the day, but either early in the morning or late in the afternoon. And uh, you don't have to do it again until they start building up again. And sometimes just squirting them off with water is not very many of them will do. So only, uh-huh. you, know, you only need to use insecticide when they show up. It's not a preventive. Okay. Okay. And so it's just called insecticidal soap. Yep. There's a, the most common brand is called Safer. Safer insecticidal soap, but there there may be okay. others out there. If somebody you go to a garden center and say, "Well, we have safers, we have this," it'll say insecticidal soap on it. Okay, okay, great, great. Well, I appreciate that so much. Okay, hey, thanks for your call, Cheryl. I appreciate that. Okay, thanks. All righty, folks. Whew, I got a you know it's been kind of weird the past three months. <laughs> And I don't know if it's going to get any better. You know, I just don't know. We don't know. You know, they say the new norm. There's not a new norm. The old norm is gone. We don't have a new norm yet. We're making it up as we go. But luckily, gardening is consistent. And uh, that's the reason we're here at MPB bringing this kind of information to you. If you have some questions about gardening during the week, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Got a, a text while we're on the line saying, check your Spanish moss because mine is blooming right now. And I looked at mine and nope. <laughs> but the Spanish moss blooms look like little spider-looking things, weird-looking things. Anyway, we're going to take a real quick break. Going to do a little cheesy tune to kind of spark everybody's attitude and come back with more of the Gestalt Garner here on MPB.
Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. I did have a great time down at Crosby Arboretum. They were letting a few people at a time into their plant sale and uh, good plants. I picked up a handful for my for, for my yard, but uh, and, you know, they, like I say, they're only letting like 10 people at a time, and their cars stacked up all the way the road waiting to get in, and uh, I'm afraid I might have got the last one of, one of those plants. But anyway, uh, people are trying to do the best they can to figure stuff out with uh, plant sales and things like that. And there are a few more coming up. If you've got some events that are that, that are garden related and you think they're safe enough for me to recommend shoot me an email i'd be glad to help promote it now a lady from oxford has been hanging on a long time hey ann good morning good morning to you thank you for holding what's up well first i want to thank you for all the good advice i've gotten from you in the past i have three perennials that won't bloom for me and i hope you can give me some advice one is the crossvine you mentioned a little while ago. Uh-huh. I've had one for several years. It puts out um, wonderful vines and leaves. I've moved it around so that it gets the best possible sunlight. Uh-huh. Never had a bloom. Uh, you don't prune it in the, in the fall or winter, do you? No. Okay, because mine won't stop blooming uh, in the in the springtime. It's really it blooms really in the the winter late winter before a lot of plants have new growth so uh the only thing i can suggest is a native plant and um it you know it likes a little fertilizer but if it gets a you know really good dirt or extra fertilizer or water it's not stressed enough it may not be setting flower buds and a lot of these native plants do best in what i call average to poor conditions because that's what they're used to so uh, other than just leave it alone and try not to push it with too much water or fertilizer, um, you know, all you can do is wait and see. There's, there's not anything I know. One thing you can try, this is, a, is an oddball thing, Ann. It's, in, it's rooted in plant physiology, but old folks used to know this stuff, old gardeners. It's called root pruning. And if you'll go out from the trunk, the base of it, oh, about maybe two or three feet and take a shovel and make a cut straight down and skip a couple of shovels with and in other words make four or five cuts straight down out from the trunk two or three feet this severs enough roots where it actually shocks a plant it releases a hormone called traumatin that can shock a plant into making flower buds that's that's how we see spring blooming plants blooming in the fall after a hurricane or after drought so root pruning sometimes can help but and do that sometime in the middle of the summer and um, that might stimulate some flower bud formation. And, and I'm not making this up. Well, I have to confess, I have it in a pot. Oh, it needs to. Oh, come on, Ann. Put it in the yard. Leave it alone. <laughs> put, find, right. your, find something to climb up on. Set it out there and stomp it into the ground. Water it one time and walk away from it. It's, a, it's an overly vigorous native vine. Thank you. Okay. The next thing is loose strife. Mm-hmm. I've had uh, growing in my garden for some years, and it does spread around and uh, produces a nice-looking little plant, but I've never had a bloom on it. Is this the, the, the pink one or the yellow one? The, well, it's white. White. It's that gooseneck. Loose- oh, oh, gooseneck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it grows best in really wet soils. Where you see it growing naturally is down in ditches and, and actually almost in standing water. So it's a plant that, that needs to be in a kind of a, a wet area. Well, thank you for that. And the other thing is my peony. Um, I've had um, I've had it a number of years, and usually get three or four nice blooms. But um, the past couple of years, most of the buds have just shrunk up to yeah. the size of a little peppercorn. Yeah. Where where did you get this? Is it store bought or you get it from somebody? I've, I got it from somebody. Is it is it that white one with a little splash of red down in the middle of it? Yes. Yeah, that's the old Festival Maxima. That's probably the best peony for the for the for the lower South. It doesn't need much of a cold. Most peonies need a long cold spell before they'll before they bloom right. And it could just be. And mine didn't bloom at all this year. N- not at all. I got three plants. N- n- nothing. And I think it's just because we had a really mild winter. 
I think that's all it is. And if the flower, you know, if a plant's under stress for any reason, the first thing that's affected are flowers, whether it's a fig or a peony or, or anything like that. Uh, so other than not keeping it wet, these things grow in cemeteries, you know, just sort of help it through the summertime without too much fertilizer, no more than occasional soaking every few weeks. And uh, just hope we have a, a good cold winter for a change because that's what they need. Great. Well, thank you so much for all of this. I really appreciate you it. You bet, Ann. Thank you for holding, too. Appreciate that. Okay. Whew. Peonies. Uh, she talked about peonies, folks. I wrote to the American Peony Society and said, how do you grow peonies in the South? And they wrote on official Peony Society letterhead that peonies don't grow in the South. And since they say that, if they're not peonies, they must be peonies because that's what we got. That's what Mamie had a peony. Uh, let's go to, uh, to Wayne County. Hey, V, how are you? I'm fine, and you? So far, so good. Yes. Um, talk about how to prune azaleas, please. Thank well, you. Well, you, you could prune them down to a, to a foot and a half tall, and they'll put out new growth and do just fine. So, you know, you can't, really can't mess up. You, the, the only rule of thumb really about pruning azaleas is don't prune them past the middle of the summer because the new growth's got to have time to come out, settle down, set flower buds before winter. See, so no pruning past middle of July or so. On the, you know, down in Wayne County, you could probably, you know, prune middle late part of July, but you can prune them pretty hard right now. And then when the new growth comes out, this is a real stickler, uh, V, when the new growth comes out, when it gets a few inches long, go back and snip the tips off it. So it bushes out instead of shooting up taller than you are. In other words, tip prune, prune it pretty good. You can prune them where there's not a leaf left on the plant. I've done this many times. And when the new growth comes out, sometime towards uh, middle end of June, first part of July, snip the tips off the new growth and just leave it alone. Okay, thank you. Okay, now I want to throw this out, one more thing. If you don't want to prune the whole plant back, you can find this tall stuff. Sometimes you can reach into the plant and make one snip on a stem that, get ri- that gets rid of a lot of tall twigs. In other words, you can just thin out some of the stuff and leave part of the plant unpruned, nice and compact and still kind of loose. If you want to just thin out the really tall stuff, reach down in the plant. Watch out for wasp nests, but thin it out from inside the plant. Thank you. Okay, V. Appreciate your call. All righty. People ask me stuff I know. Usually I get stumped really, really bad, and that's all right. I ain't scared. A little nervous, never scared. Now let's go to a Memphis. Talk to John. Hey, John. Hey, how you doing? So far, so good. What's going on with you? Well, last fall we had some pumpkins on our porch that we uh, you know, set out to the street to and, get rid of. And, and they're coming up everywhere, right? They're, they're coming up, and we, we like them, but in about a two-foot-by-two-foot two area, there's about 10, 10 or 12 vines coming up. I, I got and this. Wondering- yeah, I know what you got. I know what you're about saying. I'm going to tell you what I did. I've, I've got an old pickup truck, and I've got a big box full of stuff in the back. I grow all sorts of stuff, and I put some ornamental gourds and pumpkins last year, and they are coming up all over the place, in the, the liner of the truck, in my bed, everything. It's really important to thin them out so that each plant has, oh, three or four inches between them. So that may okay. that okay. may mean le- only leaving maybe four or five vines. All and, right. And, and uh, if I wanted to uh, – we, we liked it so much that we were thinking about having a pumpkin patch for the fall out, out in our front yard. Yeah. And was when, when were we planting those if we wanted to? Uh, to get pumpkins in time for for autumn in Mississippi, we're looking at usually by the July the fourth in Memphis. Let's say sometime in the mid to late June. So as okay. as soon as if you work the dirt up really really good first and sort of let it settle settle down, turn it over two three times to where the dirt's in pretty good shape. Then mm-hmm. by, by then you're gonna be tired of doing this before it's over. Then put plant you some seeds sometime middle of June or so. All right. Oh, one quick tip. Instead of pulling those vines up, I just thinned out. I, I have uh, squash and beans and corn and stuff for the first time in 15 years because I'm here in Mississippi for the summer. Uh, instead of pulling them up, take some scissors and snip them off because when you pull them, that tears the, the roots of what's left. So just snip off all but, you know, I would snip off most of them now and then leave a few to come back and snip off later in case some don't make it. Okay. 
Yeah, we're we're really enjoying the flowers right now. Okay, great, great. All right, John, appreciate your call, man. Thank you. Have fun. Okay, now let me see. We got uh, Frieda from Picayune. Oh, staying in Memphis uh, to Louise. Louise, howdy. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. You know, I, I say it's not an excuse. I'm not making excuses, but I have bifocals. And to see who's on the line, I got to throw my head so far back. I, my, my nose hits the ceiling. So anyway, <laughs> what's going on this morning? Well, um, I was at a box store and saw some goji berry um, plants. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, what is the chance of success on that? They're supposed to grow in the Mid-South. But they also grow really, really well in super cold climates. So um, I would treat them sort of like a blueberry, but do a pretty good job. Of, uh, did you already get them or just see them? I just saw them. Okay. You know, if if you're going to spend that much trouble and effort planting something in the yard, why not just go with blueberries? We know that they do great. And maybe stick you some goji berries around the edge just to see what they do. Okay. Because uh, uh-huh. the, the blueberries are great landscape plants, beautiful fall colors, great flowers. And right now they got some varieties have have berries the size of the end of my finger. But uh, it puts you some blueberry bushes out, two or three different varieties. Sticks to some goji berries just for fun, and let's see how they do. All right. And then um, I had a great harvest of uh, sweet potatoes last year. Uh-huh. And I want to do it again, but I can't find any plants, and I know I can do it by slip. And I do have some really dried up ones from, you know, last year. Uh-huh. And I just wonder, is it is it too late to try to cut those up and use them? Not, not really. Well, you don't cut, to, you know, you, you plant the sweet potatoes like in a, a bucket that's got some sand in it, and they grow up through the sand and, and the root in that, and you, and you break them off uh, if you've so never gone for slips. Hello? Just so, saying. Yeah, more saying. You know, what you're trying to do is trying to get them to sprout above uh-huh. above the sweet potato so they have to grow up through some moist stuff, and they'll grow roots on the part above. You know, when they sprout, the stems that grow up will have roots on them if it's in, like, moist. You know, you could do it in potting soil or but, but you know, sandy stuff that stays moist but not soppy wet. Okay. And uh, now it takes sweet potatoes somewhere around, I must say, 100, 120 days. So you got plenty of time. Okay, great. And uh, I want to throw this out: if you start having problems with sweet potatoes, we have some some problems with diseases. There's one called scurf. It makes the it just looks makes the skin look bad. And also, we have problems with a, a little weevil. So if you're growing in the same place over and over and over, you might build up some problems. So just you know, maybe think about putting them in different parts of the garden. Well, then maybe I should do beets instead. Oh, you could. See, it's a little late for beets. Beets are cool weather things. But, okay. hey, hey, how about, well, you know, give them a try. Have some fun. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Okay. Appreciate your call. Okay. I planted some uh, rows of, I, I put these teepees up in my garden. Uh, made out of bamboo. I cut myself, and I spray-painted them purple because why not? And topped them, tied them together the top with one of these glass insulators, like you see on old telegraph poles. And I've got uh, uh, beans, climbing peas, corn, and squash planted. But in between, I planted some little rows about a foot or so apart of a variety of sweet potato called Puerto Rico, which is a bush type. It's not going to run and take over my neighbor's driveway. And we can see how those do. Uh, let's go to Picayune and talk with Frida. Hey, Frida, I was in your neck of the woods last weekend. Good morning, Felder. And what were you doing out here? I was uh, sneaking around the Crosby Arboretum. Oh, it's nice out there. I've been out there a few times. Um, my question is about orchids. I have a couple orchids and one that my mother-in-law gave me. It's probably maybe two going on three years old. And my question is, the part that has the blooms on it, it's getting wild and crazy. There's two different ones, and they just go out so far, and I keep stocking and tying them up taller can i cut that back or yeah. is that supposed to just keep going here here's here's the problem there are so many different kinds of orchid different species and okay. seems like each one is a little different on how you prune it or don't prune i've got orchid friends uh and i've been to, i've been to three orchid shows this year but oh, wow. unless we know what kind it is i really can't say sometimes if you prune it off there goes the the flowers and uh, sometimes right. it's perfectly okay. So, 
without knowing what kind. I just don't know. If you could send me a good, clear, close-up picture of it, I've got a friend who lives three blocks from me who has a greenhouse full of orchids. I can show it to him, see what he has to say. All right. Well, I appreciate that, and I love your show. Hope I appreciate you it. Have yeah. a great day, and stay safe out there. Yeah, well, I want to ask you this. Were you trying to goad me into guessing about something I don't know about? Now, Felder, I would never do that. <laughs> I know you're you're never wrong. You've always got a good answer, so I appreciate well, the, it very the, much. The best answer I've got is sometimes, I don't know. I'll try to find out, but I don't know. So, and that's what's so great about you. Love well, it very much. <laughs> well, send, be sure to send me a picture, Frida, because then not only I don't okay. know, but I can't learn. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Appreciate it. <laughs> you guys have a good day. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Boy, people have been pretty cheerful right now. We've had a, a kind of an upbeat program, Java. Well, I mean, if you're not cheerful, then... You- you're not cheerful. So. Well, I'm, I'm glad I, I picked out that, that Billie Holiday tune. And you're smiling, the whole world smiles with you. Yeah, I mean, it's just something about that that sound, that era, and that voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, we're at the end of our program, but I got an email from a fellow uh, from Greenville uh, named Daniel. He wanted to know about planting a mimosa tree. He said, got some, some uh, neighbors said they can get out of hand and take over. No, they don't. You see them scattered around the countryside, but nowhere near as scattered around as oak trees and pecans and things like that. But I think a mimosa is one of the most elegant trees you can have in your garden. Yeah, they can be a little wild and spread, but those flowers are so fragrant. Hummingbirds love them. Honeybees love them. And I think that they actually turn into, I think they're flamingo larvae. And if you don't like the seeds, when it gets through blooming, cut it down, let it sprout back out like a big old fern. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting, we really enjoy connecting people with gardens and other the people's solutions and the concerns and all that kind of thing. But if you get a chance, social distancing and all that stuff, take a kid to a farmer's market, look for some locally grown blueberries, take them to a garden center, help them pick out a, a couple of little plants that'll fit in a pot that's just big enough where they can't pick it up. And uh, in other words, show kids, and if you don't have a kid, do this yourself. It's all about getting dirty. It keeps your immune system boosted. <laughs> we'll see y'all same time, same place next week here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Thanks, Java.